This is the 101st episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Berhans. With me are my dear co-hosts, Robinson Sian and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome to the grind to 200. <laughs> Stockholm Legacy Report <laughs> can be found whenever we release on the Top Deck app. In this episode, we are, as promised, back to regular programming, including the basic land connoisseur panel. After our slightly different 100th celebratory episode, which we last recorded. So yeah, on to the next 100 here we go. And as always, we will hit it off with some paper legacy. Christopher, you were our representative last Thursday, as me and Robin got blocked by adult life both of us what did you bring and how did you perform i decided to play a deck that i haven't played for quite a a while because it's uh, quite a hassle to shuffle especially if you're like me and have inner sleeves and everything i decided to play yorian aluren because i've seen some really nice lists from both challenges and paper where people are bringing back the sky noodle and this is paired with uh, you know the good stuff like the lighter halfling and making those teferis uncomfortable arose uncomfortable and also with the addition of uh, uh yeah now i'm uh, short circuiting but there's this uh, blue white legendary creature that kind of acts like a mana war on your creatures and gains life at the same time so you can actually skip some of the cards that might not be great for the deck but also yeah it's it's a very fun deck. I've played it before. I don't have all of the cards for the deck, so I played a slightly suboptimal list. Uh, I don't have Lorian reveals yet, but we will fix that eventually. My first round was against Grixis Delver. We have such a grindy game one and two. They play frets. I answer them. They play more frets. I eventually die in game two. I start doing Yorian things when I stabilize and you know it takes a long time for me to actually finish the game and we start game three with six minutes on the clock. I have turn four of time and my opponent is dead on turn six but you know I don't get the concession and it's it's magic sometimes especially when you play a deck like a Yorian deck with not the hardest beatdown plan sometimes you can end up in these situations but one thing that's really fun to mention is that i did not see a single alluren in all three games holding the combo in my hand multiple times but you know it happens and this is one of the things that can definitely happen when you play an 80 card deck isn't it so that you play three allurens in your 60 card alluren deck? that's right and i played the 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 full yeah the ratio is around the same but you get your cantrips a lot more often in the 60 card uh, version and this version actually only plays one strix effect and that's the one-off ice fang quattle oh. that you can green some for so yeah that's something anyways now i'm officially in the draw bracket and uh, our lgs has started having a lot of jeskai control players <laughs> <laughs> so there was a non-zero amount of draws in round one but then in uh, round two i play against the uh, junk karn pox Whoa. so this is a sinkhole smallpox vindicate karn deck with ursa sagas and loams as the primary wait can you repeat that please <laughs> yeah 
it, it played smallpox, it played uh, sinkhole, vindicate, and not indicate, which is uh, the best <laughs> magic meme around. This. Uh, this. <laughs> but also Karn, because, you know, sometimes you just really want to get that liquid metal coating for more land destruction. That's a fantastic deck. This deck had it all. It played the One Ring as well, and Loam and Ursa Saga. So it could actually, you know, get on board pretty fast as well. Mox Diamonds. Yeah, it was it was super cool. But in uh, game one, you know, I get uh, you know sink hold, play uh, one of these delighted halflings, and then uh, I get to play a uh, Teferi just past the turn. And I know that if my opponent does not completely screw me over like a smallpox, I'm sitting with Aluren and recruiter in hand which is extra mean when you have a teferi in play and uh, my opponent does not manage to land screw me i had only basics in play also so it was pretty rough so i actually get to just combo them in game two my opponent decides to switch up the gears and completely go to ham on your boy this sequence of plays that my opponent did to me will haunt me for a long time but it it started with a turn one foxes into turn two sinkhole on a basic then like a turn three smallpox on a delighted halfling and a land you know it's starting to look pretty grim i'm just sitting there like just happy to be here <laughs> play some lands but you know it's very hard to do something meaningful especially when my opponent eventually finds a loam that means that a wasteland or saga will eventually join the party. My opponent plays a the One Ring. And this is a pretty scary card to play against because I'm not presenting a clock and I'm very far away from comboing. My opponent immediately draws a card. I'm sitting there. Okay, this is pretty scary. I draw a Delighted Halfling. Great, I'll play that. I'm, I finally have free mana. My opponent untaps draws two cards and I don't I can't remember exactly what they did maybe loam but I get to untap and I get to green sun zenith and I have a robin special in the sideboard which is a collector roof yeah. so I get that and my opponent realizes that they are actually pretty close to death at this point <laughs> I can't remember exactly how. Uh, yeah, I think it was two thought seizes, some fetches, and small parks and stuff like that. So the oof comes into play, and the one ring has two counters on it. And from this moment on, I'm just... Whenever I find a creature, I just play it to act as blockers because my opponent is doing the saga thing and eventually they have like two eight eight constructs and a bow master in play so i'm just sitting there like okay this is pretty scary but the one ring actually does kill them <laughs> and i actually managed to exactly survive long enough for the one ring to kill them so that uh, green sun for collector of play was so crucial and my opponent you know even resolved the karn they even plussed on the ring to get a bigger attack in one turn but at the end of the day it didn't matter and they showed me that they could have minus to get the uh, one mana artifact creature that exiles an artifact for a green haywire might and but you know that's that's an artifact and an activated ability on an artifact it doesn't really solve the <laughs> oof problem so yeah that was uh that was a great win in round three i'm up against jeskai control you know i'm still in the drawback bracket <laughs> <laughs> so uh, game one is kind of a you know two grindy decks just 
hitting each other back and forth countering some spells here and there and eventually i land a teferi my opponent is trying to get anything to happen so they play a, a wandering emperor main phase they play a narset eventually i do get to resolve an alluren but at this point i do not have a recruiter my hand is uro uro leovold ending and Bowmaster. So I'm sitting there with like a packed hand. I just resolved this Aluren. Great. My opponent is thinking that with my board presence right now, I can probably just jam this fourth Earlingas and kill the Teferi and everything will be good. Hmm. The Narset is down to one counter. So they decide to, they, they make five or six tokens with four Earlingas. And they swing free free Samurai and a one of the two twos at Teferi and the rest at me. So I prismatic ending the Forfearlingas token hitting Teferi, and I play a Bowmaster to shoot Narset to death and use the token to block block the token so Teferi survives. Then I also get to play an Uro on my opponent's turn. They start by playing a Brainstorm. Friends, if you remember my hand, I'm sitting with a Teferi in play, and I have a Leovold in hand with a Luren. <laughs> so I just flash that baby in, and my opponent is like, oh, they, t- they reach for their mana. And I'm like, no, no, no. So they put two cards back and it's a weaker Hullbreacher impersonation, I guess. But, you know, it's still a success. <laughs> I play another Uro and together with a top deck Harpy, I just get to draw all the cards and kill the opponent like a skilled magic player. <laughs> yeah. But in game two, it was a bit harsher for the opponent. They got stuck on free mana and I found Carpet. This version, I play free carpets in the sideboard. So, you know, I get to Green Sun for a Leovold. My opponent plays a fourth Earlingus for X equals one when I have attacked with, I think, maybe a Halfling and the Leovold. So they actually get the Monarch. And he says, I'll go to end step. And then he reaches for his library. And I was like, wait. <laughs> And I point to Leovold. And then you take the monarch. And the yeah, I take I take the <laughs> turn. I attack them, become the monarch, and I just jam a Luren because they're so far behind. So I was like, I can afford this. Yeah, it kills them. Nice. So last round, I'm up against Blue White Staff. In game one, my opponent has some trouble finding lands. And eventually this is just, you know, too much. When you're playing against a Yurian value deck, not finding lands and you're a control player really makes it tough. Because I don't need that many lands in the beginning to get started. I play, instead of the Lorian Reveals, I play the uh, Abundant Growth instead. So I cantrip with a lot of my early cards, and then I actually just play cantrips as well. And eventually I get to combo them out. So it was it was sort of a non-game. In game two, I am becoming extremely talented. Unlike my opponent in game one, I become too good at finding lands and mana. This results in my opponent actually playing good cards. That's uh, That can be very hard to come back from. And this, this these are cards like Narset, Teferi, and Staff. Hmm, those are pretty good cards, you can say. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like our roles kind of switched after game one, but me flooding out instead. I make a decision quite early to scoop because we are playing two extremely slow slow decks. You know, sometimes you just got to know when you've lost and uh, go to the next one to try and have time to play it out. Sure. So 
in uh, game two, uh, in game three, this is the the beautiful thing. We actually we both get stuck on mana. <laughs> So this is <laughs> this is the amalgamation of our decks. But you know, I present a, a halfling. My opponent has swords to plowshares, and eventually we end up in a situation where my opponent plays Sabine's Reclamation to get one of their fourth lands. And at this point, I have five mana. My uh, you know halfling got to stay alive, and. I had cantrips. So I knew that I had a land on top. So I would get to f- five mana. And my hand is Aluren, a spell pierce from the sideboard, two recruiters, and a green sun sinif. I take my turn and just jam an Aluren. My opponent asks, Do you have it? And then I show one recruiter and the second one. And my opponent was like, Oh, I felt so stupid for tapping out, pseudo tapping out, because they got the land back with Savine's Reclamation because they were sitting with a disenchant in hand and shout out the mm. disenchant. But then I also just did the BM. I also had spell pierce. So it was <laughs> it was kind of rough no matter no matter what. But yeah, so uh three oh one and uh, this was my first league play this new league that we have. So it was really fun playing an an eighty card deck again, but God damn, shuffling this deck is terrible. <laughs> mm. But uh, yeah, I'll probably play this some more. I think I think this is actually quite a good choice in the meta now. And I think Swords to Plowshares has some really good stock with all the trolls out there. You no, know but 301 is decent. The Fury sounds like a busted card in that deck as well. Yeah, and it's it's something that we talked about when uh, playing the Nationals, when I also played this deck. It's really nice to have a turn two teferi in a deck like this because mm. what you're what you're threatening is a turn four uncounterable alluren so if they manage to answer the teferi yeah that's one less counter and if they don't answer it it's very easy to you know since this is such a a b combo where you only need to assemble very few cards from the deck to actually do something meaningful, it can get out of hand really quick. But with the addition to the Lighter Halfling, where you actually can play a turn two Teferi uncounterable, that's such a nightmare for a lot of these control decks. That's why I think this might be the way to play Aluren moving onward a bit. And since I'm not really that high onto, you know, draw card creatures like Strixes. I'm a lot less, you know, vulnerable to bowmasters and stuff like that. Sure, sure. I do think this iteration is good. I mean, you are sacrificing some uh, fast combo percentage, but that's already not your f- most favorable matchups anyway. So you might try and secure your Death Shadow matchup and stuff like that and the scandex of the world, which might be a good segue. been too long since we talked basic lands and in this time there is one archetype that has grown in strength and popularity the just mentioned blue black death shadow and or scam deck which does come in a lot of variations but most of the time plays basic island and basic swamp so robin what have you got for us here well it's a new deck 
and uh, I thought it should be fitting with uh, some sort of new art and new uh, basic lands for this deck. So I actually picked two lands from the Commander Masters from 2023. They are both by one of my favorite magic artists, Rebecca Gway. So the swamp is number 444. It is a gray, light black swamp with a little bit of trees on the side. And then there is this sky, uh, which is a pale blue in the background, but quite cloudy and a pale moon shining just above the horizon, giving a quite a sinister look and uh, feels like the correct land to fetch up with the Troll of Casadum. What's your thoughts? Yeah, this is such a swamp. Truly, uh, I mean, swamps, I think we discussed this before, usually are depicted sort of quite close up. It's sort of a detail in the swamp, the, the base of a rotting tree or the entrance of a ford that runs into the swamp. This is a, a picture that's taken or that's painted from some distance mm. where you can actually see, well, not the entire swamp, but a very large chunk of a swamp. This is a swamp that continues towards that horizon that sits just, just below this sickly yellowish-white moon. It's a starred sky also behind these clouds. I mean, Rebecca Gouet is just such a goat. And mm. this is this is a very nice swamp. And I think I was thinking of the la- sort of the latest printed reanimate art, which has this sort of person flying backwards. There's this moon in the background. I'm reminded of the color schemes as well mm. somehow. So uh, yeah, I think it fits uh, on many levels. Good choice. Yeah, I, I really like this art too. And uh, I have some trivia. Uh, this art is actually not from 2023. Mm-hmm. I was at uh, GP Stockholm and uh, I received one of these. There was some sort of standard showdown or something. I can't remember exactly the event, but I think these are from like 2017 even. Mm-hmm. I remember because when I, the reason why I remember this is because Rebecca, Go- uh, Rebecca Guay makes such amazing art. And this swamp in particular is one of the like most calming swamps ever. This is the feel good swamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do also like the it's a, it actually contains a swamp as well, and it fits with a whole reanimating not unholy large creatures but maybe the trolls that died on the cliffs you know that uh, trump the marches that uh, the hobbits traverse in lord of the rings this kind of looks like those don't follow the lights marches and yeah, yeah. i think it's really cool I, it's so beautiful the dead marches don't <laughs> follow the lights it's funny that you say that because maybe it's a rerun then from an older art but i, I like this retro fa- uh, frame uh, that I, i'm not really sure why it's back in commander masters but i, I think it's fits very well yeah the, the one i had did not have the retro frame so this is obviously yeah. a better ch- choice uh, just go through the island quickly it's also rebecca gray from the same set obviously this is not actually an island it's more of a, a stream or a waterfall you can see the water falling down from cliffs or mountain and there's a couple of cliffs in the stream itself it's quite turbulent water like you don't want to 
take a swim in here because you will be crushed on the clips. <laughs> I think I, I think it it sort of encapsulates the feeling when playing against a terrifying scam start where you just get rolled over <laughs> by this deck. It's just a waterfall of powerful effects from the get-go. So maybe this sort of encapsulates that feeling a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And this also has like the scam element to it. What I mean by that is if your opponent plays this on turn one and just pass the turn, you might think, ah, oh, nice, some basic island deck. And then end of end of your turn, they cycle the troll and get the basic swamp. You're like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I mean, underground sea or swamp, at least you know that they're probably up to some unfair magic, but this mm. does not give that away at all yeah i I agree it's it's a scam in the scam sort of this is the yeah i'm gonna play sort of blue land pass and turn five i might do something fair that's the impression you give here and then like boom you're you're done (laughs) it's beautiful rebecca gway no notes right so what about you christopher what do you have for us i'm going to invite you to a an elevator pitch right now so Before you, you have two basic lands, a swamp and an island. And let's start with a swamp. It's the secret lair Bob Ross number five. You see a beautiful, chilling evening, maybe, yeah, sort of evening, autumn uh, sunset in a very cozy, tranquil swamp that's it it's beautiful there's a lot of nice nature that you can traverse and uh, the water is cool the water is golden everything is great about this place this is one of the destinations at christopher's scamming travel bureaus (laughs) the second destination is the island which is also bob ross secret lair number two and if you love you know pine trees we got those you love beautiful ocean lines. We got those. Those sunsets we talked about, just look at this poster that we hang here at Christopher's Scam Bureau, traveling <laughs> salesman. These arts completely scam the opponent about the good time they're about to have. Just about, just around the, like, in the same manner that you can get scammed by looking at the brochure when looking at. Way where to travel. These do not lead to pleasant pleasant moments. These leads to turn two troll days backup. This leads to getting that grief reanimate combo from a force of will deck. It's the scam package. I love it. I mean, that's very flavorful. I think like you, you really invite with some of the nicest, most friendly looking swamp I have ever seen. I think. <laughs> and then you just throw the hammer in the head <laughs> with the actual deck that plays it. I like it very much. And uh, of course, I mean, this kind of art is also so fantastic to see. And I really like how they, I don't know where you found this art, but that you found like a zoomed in version where you can actually see all of the details. That's very cool. Yeah, we will post it in the Discord. But I think I found it at, I, I went digging and I think maybe at some secret lair 
seller or something so i just uh, shamelessly ripped these off because i'm the scam scamming travel agency hmm? beekstrom of course this is actually the the most islandy island we've seen in a long long time because I mean, as you said robin like your island isn't really an island it's a stream and i mean there, there's this entire sort of old tumblr i think dedicated only to basic islands that are not islands <laughs> 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 this one is is truly an island it has palms and beaches and sort of these turquoise surfing waves it's uh, super duper nice and of course if if you play christopher and he places these in front of him on the board you know he is not sort of gonna give you a vacation opponent deck <laughs> these are very good for, spe- for specifically you like i don't own these but uh, uh, my substitute are the flower ones from i think it's lorwin or Shadowmore. i do have the flower ones and whenever i s- whenever you see those in play know that i'm probably on doomsday <laughs> <laughs> false hope what about uh, you victor what did you bring well I went for the less circumventing route. I just tried to go as dark as possible because this is a deck that can play Death Shadow and Reanimate at the same time. And it has Grief and, uh, well, the Troll. Super dark, very black cards. So I went for the Secret Lair Dracula basics. So the first one is uh, Secret Lair 361 by Jonas the Row. It's the island. And in that you have. A person, a figure standing in the front of a ship holding a lantern. It's night, it's lightning, it's a very stormy sea. And this is, of course, the ship, uh, I forget the name now, but the ship on which Dracula travels from Transylvania to to England, sort of boxed up in in dirt crates. (laughs) The the captain, the story in in, in the Dracula, the book, this is a fantastic part of the story where, I mean, it's a book that's told in a diary format or date format. So sort of everything is told through people's diaries and notes. And this is the captain's log that speaks of every day someone disappears basically on the ship (laughs) it's a haunting very terrible and uh, no spoilers but it doesn't end well for anyone on this ship (laughs) standing in death's shadow is this person on the front of the ship here some somewhere deep down they know that they're not going to make it to shore what do you think i think it's a very cool art i mean this doesn't really look like a land (laughs) so i think it might be a little bit confusing seeing it from the like the other side of the table it looks more like a spell of some sort but i mean it's a depiction of a sea of course as many lands are not actually many islands are not actually islands and uh, at least they contain a bit of water and so does this one it's a good looking art i like the lightning in the background and uh, of course dracula uh, getting up at night and (laughs) <laughs> taking a stroll on the ship with this lantern it's pretty cool i think the actually the lighting overall is great like how the candle lights up the person just subtly mm-hmm. and then yep. the actual lighting from the lightning reveals parts of the face which i think is very moody and now with the backstory from victor i kind of i kind of like this because you know 
there might not be an island in this art that we get to see, but neither did the people on the ship. They never got to see an island either getting on this ship. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's that's very nice. So maybe we're the island looking at this boat <laughs> become the island. But I really I really like this, and especially for the reason you said, it's dark and the it's it's only like pseudo natural light that's lighting this up it's the lightning and it's the lantern nothing else is needed it's very nice and those waves man look at those details so pretty so for the swamp which is then uh, no wait oh, i said it wrong the island is secret light 360 by yung hao han it's 361 that's the swamp by jonas the rogue Sorry, both to Mr. Rowe and uh, Mr. Han. So the swamp is set, since we sort of know this is a Dracula-themed, we can assume this is a church. And it has this sort of, it's a gothic church. It's candles and a huge fuck-off coffin in, in the middle, like stone sarcophagus. And above it sort of hovers a devilish, demonish figure which can only be assumed to be dracula himself in his uh, true form i guess red dark wings spread out a black red silhouette is really all you see of this character against light coming from further back in this church or cathedral there is no subtlety here this is just full-on evil right in in the, the house of house of god and uh, i'm here for that yeah, this one is uh, really good looking. I'm zooming in on it right now. And this has a little bit of Diablo feel, which I spent some of the summer playing. <laughs> uh, it has that sort of color scheme and aesthetics to it. And I really like the pools of water, or maybe it is blood on the floor, where this demon also is reflected and some of the light is reflected. Like all the color and the lightning is really beautiful on this on this piece of art. Very nice. When I see this art, I just think, of course, Victor fucking picked this. It's the most <laughs> gothic swamp I've ever seen. Of course, he would pick this. But yeah, it's it's super cool, and you know, it's it's kind of uh, it. It must be one of these quote unquote unholy churches because it's just like an oxymoron having a demon in a church, which also was was a nice uh, pickup there by Robin. You know. The latest Diablo, that might be a theme. But there are so many details that are really good. I love the candles and especially the blood trail, which seems to pour out of the coffin. And uh, you know that there's a metaphor where people used to say, like, figuratively speaking, blood is thicker than water. And looking at the floor, blood is definitely thicker than water <laughs> it's the only thing that doesn't reflect as clearly as the water it's such a beautiful small detail but it definitely caught my eye and it's uh, my favorite part about the picture for sure especially when the blood is actually in the pool of water mm, it's beautiful yeah. Great. I mean, of course, there is no swamp happening anywhere here, as as there was no <laughs> island happening in in the island uh, art. So, and and this could also easily be mistaken for a spell, I guess. Sort of as a bonus information, uh, at least the forest in this cycle truly does look like a forest. And in in the forest picture, there is the carriage of Dracula riding through the forest, uh, depicted super beautifully. If anyone thinks these are interesting, 
look look out for that forest because it's absolutely gorgeous and that my friend is all we have for this episode if you have a great or terrible archetype that needs its lands looked at please let us know in our discord there's a link in the episode description in there you will also find the archive of our previously discussed basic lands so go enjoy the art show in addition to the discord you can find us on x we are at stockholm legacy we are also on x personally still Robin, where can they interact with you on that fabulous platform? On that fabulous platform, I am Jacka underscore Boo. What's up with all the Elon Brown nosing? And you can find <laughs> me at MonolithMTG. I was being ironic. <laughs> I know. And, uh, you know, I just I just wanted the listeners to, you know, be clear of our standpoint there so that there's no misunderstanding. <laughs> I'm just being toxic. You can find my toxicity levels and check them out at Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 101st episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sien. Thanks, Christoph Wikström. I am Victor Bernhards. Many thanks to you for listening. The great and mysterious Frenas has written their music. You can find more of their work on Spotify. And until our next episode, drink your opponent's milkshake with gusto.